Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome home. This is Tracy, and we want to thank you for being a part of the Life Together podcast. Before we get into this week's teaching, we want you to know that you matter to God and you matter to us. Life Together is a Wednesday evening gathering for worship, Bible study, and community here at Oak Creek Assembly of God in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. Hey, I'm so glad that you're here tonight. This is really awesome. This is going to be a fun experience for all of us. You know, this has actually been in my heart for quite a while. Um, one thing that we've really enjoyed about being with Life Together, both with you here in the evening as well as our group in the morning at 10 a.m., is we've, um, as we get to know people and get to know their stories, we've learned that this is a very diverse group of people, and it is in the night service, it is in the morning service. And in that, it means that there's a lot of people that are different stages in their relationships. So we have people in our groups who are married. We have people in our, in our groups who want to be married. We have people in our groups who are single and who want to stay that way. And we've got people in our groups who are dating, who are somewhere in that on the way towards marriage but not there yet. It's an interesting thing about how much of our life we spend thinking about these romantic relationships. It's either the romance that you have, the one that you had, or the one that you are hoping to have, that these relationships are a major part of our existence, and we cannot separate our spiritual life from our relationships. God said that we should make him the Lord of our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength. God wants all of you. He wants every part of you. And so I've been kind of over the last six months looking for an opportunity, looking for the right way for us to talk about relationships for a short period of time. And this three-week time period kind of opened up right out after Easter. And I thought, this is it. We're going to do it. It's going to be great. And so to get into this, I then started looking to the Bible and trying to find out which amazing example we were going to go after in the Bible to learn about relationships. And I need to tell you that I had some serious problems. So, like, for example, you know, what, what relationship advice could a married couple learn from the marriage of Abraham and Sarah? So, if you're a man and you're married, you could learn that if your wife tells you to have a baby with someone else, don't do it. I don't know if I'm reading the story correctly, but that was my takeaway. And just as a side note, if you do the genealogy correctly, Sarah is also Abraham's niece, so don't, don't, don't do that either. And then, like, for the dating couples in the room, I was like, you know, what can I give you to help you, encourage you? And I thought about, you know, what lesson could you learn from the dating relationship of Joseph and Mary, right? So you could learn that if your girlfriend tells you that she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit, just believe her. Just... You're going to look bad if you don't, so just go with it. And then I was thinking, like, single people, you know, like, who's, like, like the example of being an awesome, godly single person? I thought Jesus, right? So Jesus was single his whole life, and Jesus taught us that he would rather die on the cross for the sins of the world than be single at age 34. So <laughs> it's a joke, so here's what makes this challenging. What makes it challenging is that marriage is a biblical construct that is set into a cultural context. So 
What I mean by that is that God made marriage. Marriage is sacred. And because God made marriage, marriage itself does not change. It has been what it will always be. Marriage is between one man and one woman coming together and becoming one flesh And when it becomes one flesh, then it is something Jesus said himself. He said, what God puts together, don't let anyone take it apart. And the reason he says that is not because of what you put together. He says that because of what he put together. God made marriage, and so marriage doesn't change. When you get together at a wedding, if it is a Christian wedding, I want to remind you, you're not actually there to see what the one guy and the girl are going to promise to each other. That's what I would call a secular marriage, but a Christian marriage is when you're watching what two people promise to God. It is a covenant relationship with God. I'm not just telling her I'm always going to be here for her. I'm telling God that I promise God that no matter what happens, I'm going to turn into one person with this person and that we're going to be always joined together. It's a huge deal. Marriage is a big deal, but because marriage is sacred, marriage doesn't change. However, the traditions around marriage do change because the traditions and the patterns, the patterns of dating, the patterns of how we approach marriage, of what that looks like, will continue to change. Texting a girl to see if she wants to go out to coffee with you is not the same as buying a goat and giving it to her dad. So those things are always changing, and it's one of the reasons that when you look into Scripture, it can become a little challenging to find that application point and say, God, what does being a Christian single look like in 2022? What does being a Christian dating couple look like in 2022? The series is going to feel a little bit more like pastoral counseling than it is going to feel like preaching. What's on our heart for me and Mandy is to take some of the lessons that we've learned, take the biblical principles that have meant something to us, and then to share them with you. We want to see you living in healthy relationships, and we want to see you nurturing healthy relationships around you. It's the reason that as we go through this series and we're talking about one of these groups each week, no one gets a week off because you may not be dating, you may not be in the pursuit of marriage tonight, But I believe that God wants you to be the kind of Christian who helps those people who are. Who's not just someone who has good relationships for yourself, but someone who is nurturing healthy relationships around you. So we're all in this together. Let's do that. And let's pray as we get started on this journey. Father, we love you. I thank you for the body that we have here in this room. I thank you for the body of believers that allows us to come together under one name, that we're all different. Each one of us are walking into this room tonight with our own story, our own past, our own, our own dreams and ambitions, but under the name of Christ, we are united. And I pray, Lord, that we would feel that unity in this room tonight. I pray that you would encourage us to honor you with our relationships tonight and that your name would be blessed throughout all those things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take a look a little bit at America, what America looks like right now. About 50% of the people who currently live in America are married. So we're going to put them over here. We're going to give them a big 50% and a big M for married. What's interesting about this is that it used to be a lot more than that. So if you go back to 1970, about 72% of the population was married, which is kind of a big shift. Something that I think is interesting to note is that the stats I'm giving you here are just for our country, but it is different in different pockets of our country. So one of those pockets would be an evangelical church, which is kind of a broad umbrella for churches, but we would fall 
into that, that category as an evangelical church. And in evangelical churches, you're going to see this number much higher than the 50% national average. Right now, it's about 68%. Every, all the stats I'm giving tonight are from a Pew Research study from 2020. So inside an evangelical church, you're going to see a higher percentage than this. But for the sake of looking at our culture, we're going to stick with this 50% number. The next group that I want to break off to here is the people that was about 20% of the population. And we're going to give them a big D for dating. And dating is really going to be a wide range. So the person who's in college, who has a boyfriend, girlfriend, and they go on a date every Friday night, they would fall in this category. But this also is going to include the couple who has been living together for 10 years and isn't married yet. They would still be in this this area of like a committed relationship, but not yet married. And then my remaining 30% down here are going to be, I'm going to give them a big S for single. And if I look at this group of single, I'm actually going to break them in half one more time because the, the statistics are going to show that about half of singles are going to be pushing this way and they're saying, hey, I'm single, but I don't think I'm always going to be that way. I would like to be dating. I would like to one day be married. So I'm here in this category, but I would like to eventually move out of this category. I have a friend who's hilarious, and she's single, and she says, I may die one day single, but I will not die because I'm single. Other 15% that's here is 15% who would either say, either I'm single again, I'm, I'm widowed, I'm divorced, but I'm in a place in my life where I'm single and I'm really content to be that way. It may not be God's path for my life to be married, and I'm growing content with that, and that's where this category would be. I'm not going to ask for shows of hands for anything tonight, but I would be curious to know for the singles in the room of of where you feel like you're going to be at. We're going to spend a lot of time with this on our third week, so I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on that tonight. But I look at these different groups of people, and I see that representation in us. It's in us. It's in every body of Christians that gather together. And what I want to know is, is how can we grow? How can we support those healthy relationships? The people that we're going to kind of zoom in on tonight is actually going to be these two wedges here because I want to talk about dating, but I want to include both the people who are currently in a relationship and then also the people here who are pursuing a relationship, who whether or not they're in one right now would like to be, who are interested in pursuing marriage and heading that direction. Uh, Proverbs 18.22 says, The man who finds a wife finds a treasure, and he receives favor from the Lord. We could also read this uh, passage the other way around, and we could say, The woman who finds a man finds a treasure, and she receives favor from the Lord. To everyone in this room who is dating or who wants to be dating, I want to encourage you tonight. I understand that it can be a very discouraging experience, and I want to encourage you, and I specifically want to encourage you tonight to be pursuing marriage with purpose. I think sometimes we can pursue marriage like a pinata at a birthday party, and we're just like blindfolded, and we're just swinging like crazy, and I think wisdom calls our name, and God says, take off the blindfold, settle down, Focus, listen to your Heavenly Father, and let's pursue marriage with purpose. There's a lot of mixed messages in our culture that can often look down on people who are pursuing marriage. Many times it can leave Christians embarrassed or even fearful to say the words out loud, I want to be married. And I think many times when you get 
a little older than 16 and 18, that pressure can become really heavy and it can become a complex pressure that's on you between voices in your life that are either heavy-handing you towards marriage of moms waiting for grandchildren, of uh, cultural expectations, trying to push you, what's wrong with you? Why hasn't this happened yet? Let's go, let's go, let's go. And then another flood of people on the other side saying, whoa, why, why is this so important to you? Why are you so desperate to get married? What's wrong with you that you can't be satisfied by yourself? And these voices can really be pushing from the left and pushing from the right, and it can leave a lot of good lovely Christian people who are seeking marriage, who want to be pursuing marriage with purpose, feeling very conflicted and trapped about that. I want to encourage you tonight. If God has made marriage, then marriage is a good thing to pursue. I want to encourage you to lift that weight off of you. And if you feel that the Holy Spirit is saying to you that one day you will be married, have hope, look up, believe, trust, and pursue marriage with purpose. One of the things about that act of keeping at it, for someone who's made it past 20, 25, 30, 35, that fighting against that discouragement can be really, really challenging. But I want you to look at what God says when it comes to asking him. Luke eleven nine 9 says, And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. I want to dare you that if you are someone here in the room who either um, wants to be dating or wants to be moving towards marriage, I would love to dare you to, in your prayers with God on a daily basis, would you start saying out loud the words, God, I want to be married. And start verbalizing to him out loud the desires of your heart. I believe that it will help your faith rise I believe that it would allow you to pursue marriage with purpose and be able to move forward with confidence that God wants you to ask and keep on asking. You know, if you think about your job, if you lost your job today and you needed a new job and two weeks to pay the bill, every single person in this room would start praying every single day, God, I need a job. And yet somehow we struggle to have that level of confidence in our prayers with God when it comes to the most important relationship that you're ever going to have on this earth. Make God the center of that. Call on his name and keep following after him. You know, when someone says the comment about, oh, well, that's just desperate. It's not desperate. It's determined. And determined is a phenomenally attractive attribute. Uh, my friend uh, Tom Tobolsky, I told him I was going to tell him a story about him tonight, and I didn't tell him what the story was. So here we go. I didn't know this because I've only lived here for eight years, and Tom's been here much longer than that. Tom and his wife Sarah actually were in the youth group here together. And so in my mind, with just being here for the last eight years, I kind of just felt like they had always been together, which I understand is not, doesn't biologically make sense. But in my mind, it was like, oh, Tom and Sarah, they're always together. And I never had really gotten the story. And I got the story recently from Tom. And it goes something like this, is that when they were leaving high school, Sarah was going out of town to go to college. And so in the summer, Tom just knew that the chemistry was right. He knew that he liked her and she liked him. And this was, like, going to be the thing. And so Tom asked Sarah out, you know, in the last couple of weeks before she was leaving for college. And Sarah said, no, is she here tonight? What a shame. <laughs> Because if she was, we'd bring her up here right now and understand why, why in the world. So a few months later, Sarah comes home for Thanksgiving break, and Tom, who was determined, 
asked again. And she said no. And so then on Christmas break, Tom then asked for a third time, and Tom got his Christmas present, which was a date with Sarah, who would then become his wife. And now they have three kids and a mortgage, and everything's fine. <laughs> but determination is a very attractive attribute. And I also want to give Sarah praise, because one of the things that she demonstrated in that story is resolve. Is a woman who knew what she wanted, a woman who wasn't easily moved, who was steadfast, Resolve is also a very attractive attribute. When you come together and you have a man who is determined and you have a woman who is resolved, my guess is they're just going to be more and more attracted to each other as time goes on because they are deep characteristics. I want to share with you today four helps for healthy determination. It's interesting as we're going through this talk today is the focus is on dating, and yet as we walk through this, there are so many tools here that would just be healthy for every single person that's in this room. So I invite you not to check out and to walk through these with us together. And the first one I want to say is to, number one, always keep meeting new people. You know, always keep meeting new people. It's one of the challenges of your social circle. I think many times if we think about that prayer to God of, Lord, help me meet my future spouse, I want to invite you to think about that in a new way tonight. This is what I want you to think about. I want you to think that instead of asking and focusing on meeting your future spouse, I want you to focus on meeting the person who knows your future spouse. So if here in the middle is you, then around you are going to be all of the people that you know. Right? So the people that sit at least one table away from you at Life Together, or the people that you work with, the people in your family. If you are looking for your future spouse, here, here's, here's my big truth bomb. It's not someone that you know, because if they were, you'd already be married to them, right? So, so the people that you know, you've already worked through those people. You, you've looked to see if, if it's going to work out okay, if there's some quality or not. And so you've already worked through this. One of the things they'll say about people who meet new people all of the time is that some of the most important connections in your life, some of the things that are going to bring the greatest successes in your life are not going to come from the people that you know. They're going to come from the people who know the people that you know. Because there is this exponential increase that your next job is probably not going to come from someone that you know. It's going to come from one layer out. And so when I focus on getting to know more people here, I'm going to see an exponential increase of the people that are out here. So for example, you may not want to fall in love with the 65-year-old man who ushers your aisle at church on Sunday morning, but that 65-year-old man might know your future spouse. And it really is a fantastic idea when you think about aging as well, that for anyone who's aging, there is a natural depreciation that happens here. So if I've got my club and I'm 20 and I'm in college and everything's great and I've got like my six dudes and we're really good friends, this is all of these numbers are always going to be lessening if you don't do anything about it. So there's always going to be someone who moves away, someone who got in a weird fight with you six months ago, someone who got a job in Alaska. And so these numbers are always going to be going down if you don't do something. I think a fantastic challenge to ask everyone in the room is what if you could meet one new person at church every time that you came to church? And if you did that, 
I, I'm going to promise you, this group is going to get much bigger, and this group is going to be exponentially growing. And so if you are a single person and you say, the pool is dried up, there's no one here, I'm not going to make it, I would challenge you, don't focus on meeting the person you're going to marry. Focus on meeting the person who knows the person that you're going to marry. And if you walk through life with this open, friendly, engaging, Jesus-like kindness, you're going to see that expand and expand, and I bet you're going to meet someone new more often than you currently are. Uh, number two, and the, the four helps for healthy determination, I want to encourage you to communicate clearly. I cannot more passionately do my best to convince you to get off your phones. So texting is such a dangerous way to have communication with people. You should never text conflict. You should never, I've seen people, young people who've shown me their entire relationship with someone in about five texts. So it's like, hey, it was nice to meet you last night. Yeah, you were really cool. Hey, do you want to get coffee? Dot, dot, dot. Four hours later, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> hey, and then if it's a Christian girl, then it's something like, I prayed about it and I just really feel like the Lord just wants us to be friends at this point in my life and I'm not ready to move forward, but thank you for your kindness and I accept this compliment. And the dude then says, like, thumbs up, right? <laughs> and it's like, this was not a meaningful encounter. This is not clearly communicating that neither one of you gave the other person any opportunity to get to know each other better. Texting can always be misread. I would highly encourage you to communicate in person. I know that makes you feel crazy, and that can make your skin crawl a little bit because it does involve more risk, but with risk comes reward. And so my ability to sit down, whether or not I want to tell someone that they are awesome or whether or not I want to have a conflictual conversation about what's going wrong with this relationship, both of those conversations will have a far better outcome if I'm having them in person face-to-face. Number three, I want to encourage you to set goals and set accountability. You know, everyone needs a spiritual wingman, someone to walk through your dating experience with you. Rejection can make you crazy, and Christians can so easily and unintentionally over-spiritualize their dating experience. You need someone to keep you grounded, to keep you from throwing in the towel and giving up, or to keep you from doing something crazy. I had this uh, two friends in college, Jason and Diana. I promise you this story is true. One day, Diana came up to me. I was in the practice rooms uh, working on piano at Central Bible College. And she came in and she said, I had the weirdest dream last night. I had a dream. And Jason and I were on the second floor of a mall pushing a baby carriage. And we were in love. Okay. So Later that night, Jason was my roommate, and, and so I, I'm just chilling out, not going to bring up the story. That's weird. He doesn't need to know this. And he says, Dan, I had the strangest dream last night about Diana, and we were on the second floor of a mall. We were pushing a baby carriage, and we were in love. So they started dating like three days later, and then they broke up two weeks later. I can't really explain it to you, but I can explain this is that your emotions, your sexuality, your heart, your spiritual side, all of that can get really winded up in there. It can be really 
confusing and difficult, which is why you cannot walk through this alone. You have to have spiritual mentors walking through this. It would be the same thing as if you were to see a plane out in the field and you walked in and figured out how to fly it without ever talking to a pilot. That would be insane. And I would argue that marriage is far more complicated than flying a plane. You need spiritual mentors. And that's where I think about this room, about the people that are in this room. If you have a happy marriage, good for you. Don't hold that to yourself. You need to be active in this faith community. You need to be helping people who are walking through their own marriage struggles. Even for people that are dating right now, don't just think about your own marriage. Don't just think about your own journey. You've got a good friend who needs wisdom and counsel and someone to cry on their shoulder and yell at and work through some of these things because it's complicated. And if we are left alone, we're going to get discouraged. And God wants you to be encouraged. God wants you to ask and keep on asking. He wants you to knock and keep on knocking to see the good things he has for you. Number four, I want to encourage you today and our helps for, for determination is don't get stuck. If I think about the phases of relationships, you know, that first phase is, is the, I need to meet someone. And some of you in the room might, might, might feel that way. It's like, I haven't been on a date in a long time because I just don't I can't meet someone. I, I don't know someone that I would want to date right now. You can get stuck in that, in that phase. You can get in the phase of like, hey, I go on a lot of dates, but I just can't turn that single date into a longer-term relationship. I'm, I'm stuck. And maybe it's the, I'm in that longer-term relationship, but I can't turn that into an engagement or someone that I really want to spend the rest of my life with. And then some may say, hey, I've been engaged for a really, really long time, and, and we're, we're stuck here. We haven't been able to move this on to the next phase. Every one of us are, are able to have these experiences. This does not make you any less or any better than any other person that's in this room. Every one of us can get stuck, and we need good counsel and good friends to keep that moving forward. The conversation about getting stuck does kind of make me want to take like a, a real quick left turn into two awkward conversations that you're going to forgive me for. Um, and the first one is, is cohabitation. So cohabiting is just the, the fancy word for people that are living together who are not married yet. And I say all of this to say that I know that I'm in a church where there are people who are cohabiting. There are people who are married now, who did live together before they were married. And if you look at American culture as a whole, it's super popular. So like right now, out of couples that get married for their first marriage, two-thirds of them are living together before they get married. And like I can see, I can see the man-made logic behind that that is like, hey, I should walk into this slowly. We should do this step by step, and then, and, th and then we'll get there, and that'll be a safer way to go. The problem with that is that idea is, is conflictual to God's definition of marriage, right? That God created marriage as an all-in experience. So if I am intimate with you, and I share a Netflix account with you, and a refrigerator, but yet I always have my eyesight on the exit sign, that's not marriage, because I always am keeping myself with one foot out the door, one way to get out really quickly, one way to make my exit. That's not marriage. Marriage is burning down the exit sign. Marriage is saying, I'm here, and I'm not just promising you that I'm going to be here. I'm promising, I've promised God that I'm going to be here. You don't need to worry if I'm going to be here or not tomorrow morning. I'm in this. I'm completely in this, and we're going to make it together.
that was interesting is someone shared this with me, and I just want to share it with you, because I understand that you're coming from your own background, and there may be things that I'm saying in this message tonight that you just don't agree with, and I would encourage you to seek this out on your own. Find godly counsel, dig into the Word of God, and, and find your path. One source I find that's interesting is the Wall Street Journal, not a Christian magazine, uh, released an article this last year, and the title of their article is too risky to wed in your 20s, not if you avoid cohabiting first. So this secular art artist was just looking at the stats, and they're saying, hey, we're noticing that even though you would think that living together first would decrease your chances of divorce, it actually increases your chance of divorce rather than those who wait to live together until they get married. That conversation makes it impossible for me to also not address abstinence and talking about that. And don't assume you know what I'm about to say. If I take a little bit of a cultural journey through abstinence, if you look at the Bible, the Bible has clear messages of purity. The Bible existed in a culture that did not. If you look at the word virgin in the Bible, it's always referring to girls because in biblical times, in the cultures that surrounded Israel, in the culture that they were set in, yes, there was a very high expectation for women to be virgins because they got married at 14, 16, 18 years old. But for men, it just wasn't that way. Men were in their 30s and 40s before they got married, and there are even godly biblical heroes of faith who, whose names are Abraham and David who were hiring prostitutes and then insisting to marry a woman who was a virgin, right? So there's like some serious things there that would not be considered pure or godly. And then I want to think about like our marrying age today and how that impacts, impacts our abstinence culture. If you think about your parent, grandma, great-grandma who got married at 16 and grandpa was 18, you know, back in 1970, the national marrying age for women was 21 and for men was 23. Today, for women is 28 and for men is 30. That's a big change of when people are getting married. So if I was telling someone to be abstinent before marriage back 30 years ago, I'm saying, hey, 14-year-old boy, you got to wait four years and it's going to be okay, but four years. Well, if you're waiting to get married till you're 30... If you're waiting until you're 35, we're asking something very different of our teenagers than we did 30 years ago. There should be a certain level of compassion for what has changed. But if I look into scripture and I have to ask and I have to say to you what I think is my best godly counsel, abstinence is my best godly counsel. Me and Mandy were both virgins when we were married and I just have to say out loud, it can be done, and here is the beauty of the purity of Christ. If we're a church that really believes in redemption, we're a church that really believes in redemption. So whatever has happened in your past, whatever baggage you might carry with you, it can all be gone in the name of Jesus, that when we call upon him, when we ask for repentance, there's a reason that God compared the church as the bride of Christ. And I want you to imagine the church wearing one of those really fancy, sparkly white dresses. It's the reason that a bride wears a white dress on a wedding day is to say, all of this has been washed clean. And so you don't need to have a perfect past. If God would impress on your heart to start an abstinent lifestyle right now, for your God who loves you so much, whose forgiveness is so complete, he literally forgets the sins that we've made. I love that 
about my God. And so purity is a fresh start, and you can make that decision and move forward. And there should be no guilt for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I have one more thing I want to share with you, and i got one more picture to do, and then I'm going to move out of here. Um, this is something that we've shared with like youth groups on dating, and I think you're going to find it interesting. I want you to imagine that this circle is like a dartboard of personality. Way over here, we're going to have like really, really shy people that are like a dart that hit right there. It's like really, really shy people are over here, and then like the loudest guy at a brewer's game is over here, and then here is like someone who loves cops ice cream, and then here is someone who has like vegan ice cream in their freezer right now. And when I think about a relationship, I think about pursuing a dating relationship, what a lot of us often do is we try and think about where I am and where she is as being as close as possible. And my relationship with that person would be like taking a rubber band and stretching it between those two points. And so if I'm dating someone who is close to me in this giant personality dartboard, then if they are close to me, I'm going to experience less tension in my relationship. But if they're really far away from me, if they're really different than I am, then I'm going to spend, I'm going to have a lot of tension in my relationship. The reason that this doesn't work is because people aren't stagnant. You are not stagnant. You are a continuing, changing person. And so, like, if I was someone that said, hey, you know, we fell in love, you know, running a marathon, and she loves running marathons, and that's, like, our thing, and, you know, we, we train together, and we just love doing that. Well, after her third pregnancy, she may not want to run marathons anymore. And if my relationship is circled on this personality similarity, if that's what holds things together, I'm going to quickly find myself in trouble. People will say, you know, we just drifted apart. We're just different people. Well, guess what? You're all going to be different people 20 years from now. We're all changing. Our personalities are shifting. I want to think about it this way. Dating is not about picking the person you're going to grow old with. Dating is about picking the person who is going to grow into the person that you're going to grow old with. In the middle of this, I want to add one thing. And I want to add in the middle of this the character of Christ. And so if in the, the center of this is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If Jesus is here and I end up with two people who are pursuing Christ, which direction are they moving? Well, they're both moving in the same direction. So this girl over here who goes to life together is, sees this guy who's sitting over there, and he is loud and obnoxious, and he, he has the wrong hair color than what she imagined her husband was always going to have. And they start dating out here, but she meets someone who is pursuing marriage, but more important is pursuing Christ and is becoming like Christ. Well, guess what direction she's moving? If she starts moving in here closer and closer, as their dating experience goes by, as their marriage goes by, as the years go by, they are literally becoming the same person. They are moving into the same nature. And I can promise you from my experience and from the experience of many great Christian people who've been married 50 years plus, that tension is going to become less and less and less because they are both going in the same direction. Dating is not about finding out where someone is. Dating is about finding out where someone is going. It's not about picking out the person you're going to grow old with. It's about picking out the person who's going to grow into the person that you're going to grow old with. I want to see some marriages coming out of life together in the next two years. We believe in you. We care about you.
we want you to be in a church that is well-supported. And that's where this talk kind of goes to everyone that's in the room. I want to leave you tonight with three quick encouragements. And one of them is I want you to be an encourager, be a connector, and be a confidant. And this is the part that every single one of us in this room can adopt tonight. Be an encourager. If you have someone in your life who is seeking to be married and you can know that they are discouraged, I want you to come alongside them and I want you to encourage them. Help them to lift their eyes up. Tell them that you like their shoes. Tell them that they are beautiful and powerful and strong and that they are worthy of love and that if God has promised something to them, it will be you can be someone who lifts up their heads. I want to encourage you to be a connector. You might know the person that is going to be their future spouse. Invite them out to dinner. There's a weird thing that married people do where they suddenly feel that they can't hang out with people that aren't married. Stop that. That's strange. Don't do that. It's not weird. It's weirder that you'd never invite someone who's single. So invite them out to lunch. Invite them over to your house. Make them part of a community. They need those mentors in their life. They need those friends in their life to help them walk through this together. And I want to invite you to be a confidant. Be that trusted person. If someone comes to you and says, hey, I'm thinking about asking this person out, or I'm in this relationship and I don't know what to do, Anytime that happens to you, I want you to pause for a moment. Say, thank you, God, for this opportunity. It is a phenomenal gift if someone would trust you in that way to be a confidant in their relationship circle. And so in that moment, God has given you a great opportunity to help someone be safe and to help someone grow and to be a person of healthy relationships. I want to pray for you tonight. Let's do that. Lord, I love you. I thank you so much that you're here in this room tonight. I thank you for the, the pleasure of your people. I thank you, God, that you've given each one of us a calling on our life. And I first want to tonight, I want to pray for any person in the room who is looking forward to marriage. Someone who is either in a dating relationship or not in a dating relationship, but has that in their heart. I pray that they would be encouraged. I pray that there would be a new fervor in them tonight to be determined and to ask and to keep on asking. I pray that their faith would rise and they would put their faith not in their own accomplishments or abilities or looks or talents, but their uh, confidence would be in you and in the things that you have promised. I pray that you would specifically begin to open doors in their life. I pray that you would allow them to meet new people in the coming weeks. I pray that there would be first dates and new relationships and that you would lead them towards godly men and women, godly spouses. We trust you, God. We are going to ask for your provision. You have shown yourself in so many miraculous ways. Why not now? Why not here? Be that God and let us see your hand. I pray for every person in this room who has the ability Ability to be an encourager, a connector, or a confidant for someone else. I pray that it would help us to rise up and be a conscientious people to not just be thinking about ourselves, but to be thinking about others and to be loving our neighbors as we would want to be loved. And in that, I pray that you would help us to come alongside other relationships and bring health and strength and wisdom and kindness and goodness. We thank you, God, that you're here with us tonight. I thank you that your presence is with us, and I pray that you would continue to give us your strength in this Life Together group and all the things you have for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us for the Life Together podcast. It's even better when we get to see you in person. You are invited to join us on Wednesday evenings here at Oak Creek Assembly of God. 
We are a church that exists to reach our world for Christ as we lead people to discover and become who God has created them to be. Find us online at oakcreekag.org.